The Dallas Cowboys present These Boots Are Made For Talking, the official podcast of the Dallas Cowboys Cheerleaders. Now your hosts, Courtney McKenna and Shannon Gross. Courtney, what's up? Oh, hey, Shannon. We got a, you know. Today is a really big, big, big deal. Big Big day. We have been trying to book a guest, a particular guest. Special, special guest. Since the inception of this show, to no avail. We have failed miserably. This particular person was supposed to be on the original kickoff show, and they this person big-timed us for the past... We're not saying names or anything. ...three months. But we finally got him booked, thanks to William. William, the special booking agent of this show, and also the producer behind that wall right there. I'm just kidding. William had absolutely nothing to do with this. He just showed up today, and we told him who was going to be on the show. But well, we appreciate William. I've been waiting for her to get on the show, though. Okay, hey, okay. William. William's a fan of the show. Yay. <laughs> hey. We would like to welcome to the show... The one and only... Kelly Finglass! Hi! There's supposed to be fake applause, William. Do we have... The wrong <laughs> there we go, there we go, there we go. Kelly, how are you? sound drops that the big boys use in radio. I know, right? Now that we're big boys in... Web. Big boy. There's so many things. Like this should have been a two hour show, to be honest with you. There are so many things that I personally want to know that I don't know that I want to know. Spot. Do tell. And Shannon. the fans want to know. Yes. Okay. Now you guys, I want to we I we'll talk about this in a minute. You guys just went on a really, really, I guess significant trip that will go down in the history of DCC as one of your shining moments. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. But first, I want to get some background on you for everyone that's tuning in that may not know Kelly. Your life story. And the history and all that good stuff. So they know you on the show, probably, most people, as as DCC making the team on CMT. Right. How many years have you guys been on the air? 12 years. We're going into season 13 starting next month. Wait, so there's a new season? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first. Uh oh. This is breaking news. Yes. I was keeping my lips sealed. Whoops. A big Peek deal. into the cheerleaders' locker room. <laughs> oh, there we go. So coming back for season thirteen. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it's crazy. Um, it's the longest running show on CMT's history. I thought by now people would be bored with us, mm -hmm. and they just they they're not. They love the show. They love the um, competition. They love the. Meeting the girls behind the scenes. I mean, we were just in Washington, D.C. and had people coming up to us at the Smithsonian loving the show. So, you know, it kind of started at the same time that all the reality competition, music, singing, and dance shows started. And it, it's just, um, it's been very successful. And CMT is the right place to be as well. How did that show, how did... How did that come about? Like, whose idea was it? Did they pitch you guys on it? Did y'all come up with the idea? How did that evolve into what it How is? much time do we have? We have an hour. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go bridged version. Yeah. Back in the day, help me remember when, when Hard Knocks was following the Cowboys, right. mm -hmm. um, Hard Knocks came out and did one little bitty slice of a cheerleader rehearsal. And when they did that, the next week, Stephen Jones called me and said, Hard Knocks wants more cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. huh. And Hard Knocks, as you know, his content is about the struggling rookies in the Cowboys football camp and making roster. So Hard Knocks came back out and did more. And I'm going to say it's Judy's screaming and hollering that <laughs> got us to this point. Because Judy was um, screaming across the field 
she used to use a megaphone, then she just used her own vocal projection, and she was <laughs> hollering at a cheerleader named Julie, and she was like, Julie, Julie, and it really, honestly, was just vocal projection, but Hard Knocks and the people that watched it were like blown away with just, I guess, what a rehearsal looks like and sounds like. We also had workouts with Jay Johnson that night, and so then we started getting letters and phone calls about we want to do a reality TV show. And I kind of had said no to almost all of them because at the time it was real world was breaking out. I guess Bachelor was was as well. And we weren't interested in um, hot tub scenes and kissing scenes and um, rose ceremonies and all that stuff. And so we kind of poo-pooed most of the ideas that came our way. But a group named Triage on behalf of CMT sent me a letter and said, we're interested in following you guys in your rehearsals and your audition process. And what caught my attention is the gentleman who had uh, proposed the first idea from CMT standpoint had also worked with the Miss America pageant. And when I read that, I thought, hmm, they're used to kind of a brand and protecting a brand. And so we took that call, brought them, excuse me, out to rehearsals. And um, it it kind of started from then. They said, let's do a two-hour pilot. And we did a pilot. And that was 14 years ago. And the pilot was a two-hour special. And then we went into season one. Wow. I didn't even know all of that. Yeah. So is the, the crew triage, is it the same crew still with you guys that started with you 13, 14 years ago? There are a few original crew members. In fact, we we laugh at at rehearsals. Some of the crew have been around longer than some of our cheerleaders. Have been alive? Uh, well, oh. <laughs> <I'm> like, <what? laughs> they've been around on <laughs> on cowboy soil. Uh, um, you know, and at first it was a little intrusive, honestly. I'm not known for being very patient, and it would interfere and interrupt our, you know, very efficiently run rehearsals. And um, we had to wait a lot. There's a lot of lights and repositioning of lights and OTF on the fly interviews and just things that slowed us down. I mean, we're not a TV show that became reality. We are, this is reality that just happens to have TVs, you know, cameras in the room. Right. We're not made for television. We just are doing what we're doing. So it slowed us down a bit, but through the years, I think we've all the crew, the director, myself, Judy, even the girls, everybody's kind of get is used to each other, familiar, comfortable, and uh, respectful of the time that's needed because it takes a lot of time. Mm Mm-hmm. But they've done a good job with it, and I think it's, um, you know, enhanced the image of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and certainly created great visibility for us and brought us better dancers from across the country, actually across the world now. So it's it's been win-win. Is it scripted at all? Well, I oh. actually, this is kind of along the lines of that. I have a fan question that relates to this show. So I wish somebody would give the- me a script. Please write <laughs> me a script, write me a speech, do something because I'm out of things to say. Just winging it. <laughs> Nervous but excited. Um, Steve wants to know, how do you decide what girls to feature on DCC Making the Team? How involved are you with the show? And how much time a week do you spend shooting interviews and voiceovers and things of that nature? Well, I'm involved. I'm not. I don't micromanage it. I I let the creative people do their thing. And when they uh, first start trying to discover the rookies, they actually start going through the applications of the ladies applying literally right now. And um, they obviously um, 
seek out interesting backgrounds, interesting backstories, and they just really meet them for the first time at auditions or maybe one of our Friday night prep classes and start this backstory process. And it becomes discovery, really. But um, I let them kind of follow who they want to. Everybody that's in this audition process is released for broadcast and kind of knows, you know, knows that that's, that's a chance that we've had a few that didn't want to be focused. And so we respect that. Um, in terms of the veterans, yeah, I, I try to, I, I, I always like them to show the veterans because the growth of the veterans and the development of the veterans and their backstories are so interesting. So it, it just kind of happens. Um, in terms of my time, yes, I spend a lot of time doing interviews. We're here on rehearsal nights. There's been nights that I don't leave here till two thirty, maybe three o'clock in the morning. So Long we do summer. interviews before practice starts. We may start interviewing at two p.m. Um, then we start rehearsals at six thirty or seven. Rehearsals will go till maybe eleven p.m. with the um, intermittent repos for the cameras. Um, then some of the girls go home. Some of the girls have office visits with me. And then after all of that is over, I um, do another interview. So 2.30 in the morning is not uncommon for me on a summer night. Only time I'm going to be at the start 2.30 in the morning is when I'm leaving Concrete Cowboy across <laughs> Oh my God! Maybe he'll see you there this summer. <laughs> Maybe I should come over. I could. I could. That might not be a bad idea. I'll text you next time I'm over there. So, how did you? I don't even think I know this story. When did you first? When did you audition? I auditioned in 1984. Okay. I was a dance major at TCU. Okay. And heard um, Ron Chapman on KVIL talking about it on the radio. Mm -hmm. And part of being a dancer at TCU was to participate in auditions. That was kind of part of it. And I auditioned for going to an audition was kind of commonplace for us. And I auditioned for Six Flags and didn't make it. Not that I'm bitter, but I did not <laughs> make Six Flags. But it could have changed the course of history because <laughs> I couldn't tap. <laughs> so anyway, whatever. I couldn't tap. Anyway, I heard Ron Chapman talking about the cheerleader auditions and I went and tried out and I was lucky that year. I, I made it my first year, which is, I was, were you, were you I was 18? Lucky. I was 19. 19. That's mm -hmm. still so young and so much to take on your shoulders. I remember driving to Texas Stadium, and you know, Texas Stadium has 183 and 114 and Northwest Highway and Interstate, all of them kind of merging there. And I'm this teenager from Lindell, Texas, and I could see Texas Stadium in the horizon, but I could not figure Couldn't out which get there. ramp. <laughs> and I wound up getting lost and winding, winding up in DFW Airport and was crying to a toll booth officer. Oh. And he told me how to get back to the stadium and I did and I went up the escalator and I tried out and I made it what made you because we ask girls that all the time what made you do that you're from small town Lindale home of Miranda Lambert by the way yes I gotta give her a shout out my BFF in music <laughs> uh, Neil McCoy is gonna be mad that you said Neil that, so. okay okay yeah you're right <laughs> second BFF well what made you like what just made you go I want to do this and then keep on it for I mean Five years on the team, and then obviously. I the movie, I remembered seeing the movie. The first movie came out in 1979. The second movie came out in 1980. I had seen that movie. I certainly didn't. I mean, I was enamored with the movie, but didn't see myself. Movie? What movie are you talking the about? The Dallas Cowboys Cheerleaders movie. There, were, there was a movie? There were two movies. There was a movie I made I even in, know this. Well, Shannon. Man. See? Do your research. Boom. <laughs> roasted. Uh, Sorry. Yes, there were um, 
Well, let me give you a little background. Okay. 61 were the Dallas, Dallas 1960 were the Cowboys' first franchise right. football. 1961, we had high school all stars that were selected from area high schools around Dallas, co ed, male and female, pleated skirts, huge palms, megaphones. Is that kind of what they do in Green Bay? Yeah. They bring in high school kids? Yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So it was during the 70s when everything started changing. Um, Cowboys won the Super Bowl, the 71 season. In 1972, we changed our uniform moving into Texas Stadium, our new stadium. We had left the Cotton Bowl. And I say we like I was there, and I wasn't, but I feel like I was. Um, 72 is when Paula Van Wagner designed what people know today as the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders uniform. And that coupled with two Super Bowl wins in the 70s and then this iconic poster that was photographed in 1977 – rolled into a television special and then a movie on ABC following Monday Night Football and then another movie. And that was it. Everything exploded. And I saw that movie as a fan. Mm -hmm. And I saw the movie. And then when I heard about the auditions and I was like, wow, I really live here. And I, I can, I can kind of, I can dance. And I love the Cowboys. And I know um, a little bit about the organization. So I kind of tried out on one of those let me try. I didn't really expect to make it. Um, once you get into the audition process, you get hooked into the system and you want to make it. And then once I got through that first round and I met the people that auditioned with me, um, particularly the gal that sat next to me at the auditions, her name is Tina Kalina, and she she and I today are still best of friends, and our children are best of friends, and we were in each other's weddings. But when you get in that room and you start to meet people, that's when you and see the alumni cheerleaders and the veteran cheerleaders, then you're hooked, and it's like, I want this with you're hungry. Every, yeah. Hungry, yeah, desperate, <laughs> um, starry-eyed. So that's what happened. And you cheered for five years? Is that what you said, Courtney? Five seasons. Five seasons. Under Coach Landry. Wow. I had um, two winning seasons. Yeah. Two of the five. She's got a ring, too. Yes. Here's my Super Bowl. You wearing your Super Bowl ring? Of course I am. It's awesome. Do you wear it all the time? Of course I do. I feel like I notice on notice it on you most days. You feel like you notice it? You wearing it most days? I don't think I. I maybe. I don't know many people that have a Super Bowl ring that don't wear it. Now that's kind of the scaled down girl sized ring, right? I'm sure the players. Frankly, they're they're so big they're probably not real. Showed it to the camera, Shannon. Which camera? Comfortable. That one. Yeah. That is the 1990. That's the 93 Super Bowl. So that was the game, Pasadena. That was the game that we played in Atlanta. Wow, that's awesome. I want one of these. I know. So bad. <laughs> well, one's so bad. Let's get one this year. How I about think that? so. So you it's mentioned time. you mentioned Paula, the the designer of the original uniform. Right. So you got to hang out with Paula on Monday, right? I did. So I'm a little jealous that I was not there. Courtney, you were there. You Amazing. Were, you, you were our Once in a lifetime. social media representative. Experience, covered yes. the the event. You guys got a spot in the Smithsonian in DC. Yes. National Museum of American History. Talk me through how that's a big deal. That's like a huge deal. How how did one that even come about? How did that even get on their radar? How long did it take you guys to get to this point, and what was that process? And then walk us through Monday, kind of your what that meant to you and the organization and everybody involved. Um, I started writing letters. When I 
realize that the Smithsonian, the National Museum of American History, had a pop culture area, and I was exceptional. I was kind of enamored with um, Dorothy's red slippers from The Wizard of Oz, and I thought, you know what? I think the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders uniform has a place in this history museum. Um, if it's not pop culture, it's entertainment. But I could argue it's a lot of things. So I wrote a letter. My first letter was to a gal named Jane Rogers in 2002. Wow. And um, it's a long process. It didn't didn't happen. I, it wasn't accepted in 2002. Um, but that's never held me back. I When I really, really believe in something and know that we qualify for something, like our Barbies, for example, and I've got 13, 14 years worth of no letters from Mattel until they finally said yes. But... With the Smithsonian, it's a long process. It's reviewed by a lot of people. And for some reason, the stars weren't aligned in 2002. Um, since then, with the television show having 12 seasons, and since that time, we've um, got ladies from all over the world trying out for our squad. Um, since 2002, we've been awarded these awesome um, recognition awards from the military. We have the Spirit of Hope Award from the USO. We received the American Legion's Medal of Honor, and we received the Veteran of Foreign Wars Hall of Fame Award. So we had, I had more to say, okay, look, basically more to convince them that this uniform, this uniform alone has now been in two made-for-television movies. It's been in 12 seasons of a television show. The uniform has women from 19 states across the country and two international cheerleaders from Japan and Australia. Um, this uniform has these three major military recognitions. This uniform's been on 82 USO DOD tours to 42 countries. So, you know, I kept recrafting my letter, and then I got a letter um, this past March, March 7th, I believe, and they had accepted. And so that was that was a very exciting day. What did day. that feel like? What was your emotion when you got that letter? Um, actually tearful and just almost breathless. Just breathless. It's just been one. It's a bucket list, an organizational bucket list, not just personal. This was um, something I wanted for this organization to to kind of fall into what I call our world class image um, building and image awareness for this organization. And it is so fitting. And once we got to the Smithsonian and we met the director of the museum and the curators, it, it was kind of like, where have y'all been? I mean, it just was. They were probably as excited to have the cheerleaders there and Charlotte Jones Anderson there and the whole Cowboys presence there. They were as excited about us being there as we were them. Um, the best part of it, there were obviously some formal acceptance ceremony speeches, but the coolest part was going through their archives and seeing just drawers and closets and rooms filled with American history. And I don't mean necessarily military history I mean pop culture history entertainment history like we're we're going to be in the same museum with my favorite was Jerry Seinfeld's puffy shirt <laughs> if you're a Seinfeld <laughs> fan they showed us Jerry Seinfeld's puffy shirt we saw Dorothy's red slippers I saw um Batman's mask we saw the Batmobile the Batmobile Breaking Bad props from Breaking Bad if you wow. watch that show Mr. Rogers sweaters in there from Mr. Rogers, Rogers neighborhood Miss Piggy kind of was took me back a little bit it was just really <laughs> really that's cool, cool. That's super so cool. cool the best part about it though was getting to see Paula Van Wagner 
um, the designer, mm-hmm. who sketched out the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders uniform in one sketch in 1972. And to be able to share it with her, and she's as healthy and feisty and she's just funky. in the moment as, as she can be, 46 years later, Wow! and her uniform is still gracing the sidelines of these games. How, that was cool. How has it changed from the original to what it is now? It really hadn't changed much. We actually talked about that. It's funny, Shannon. We had the fabric. We have been using the same bolts of fabric because when the Cowboys did start building this uniform in 1972, they bought the entire run um, of the fabric bolts. White and blue? White and blue. And we, we had bolts and bolts and bolts of fabric in our locker room and in our storage. And it wasn't until 2006 that... 2006 that Lisa Dobson who's currently making our uniform had to go out and source new white fabric and new blue fabric so literally wow that's crazy yeah so literally the cheerleaders in the 90s and the 70s were were dancing and performing and lifting spirits with the same fabric that is crazy. I had no idea. That's pretty awesome. So then we also had Lisa Dobson, who currently makes our uniform now. Mm-hmm. She's made it since 2005. We um, had our belt buckle designer, a gentleman by the name of Brad Oldham. He is um, a highly acclaimed sculptor artist. A lot of his things are seen around Dallas. He actually had a sculpture at the National Geographic Museum in D.C., and he makes our current belt buckle, so we had him there to join us. Um, I tried to get our Barbie designer, a gentleman named Robert Best, tried to get him there because the three Barbies went in as well to the mm-hmm. Smithsonian, but he wasn't available. So it, it really was just magical. And I've been around the Cowboys long enough to see great big things happen. Um, and sometimes you don't get to celebrate the people that made it happen while they're still with us. And that's, I think, what the best part of this was that we had we had um, Paula there who started this uniform. We had Lisa there, who's currently making the uniform. Mm-hmm. We had Charlotte, who's leading the whole ship. Um, me, Judy, our four group leaders. It just—it was such a team collaborative celebration. It was just joyful, for lack of a better word. I don't even know how to explain like the atmosphere. It just like felt so good and exciting and like touching. It was just—it was crazy to to see literally history unfolding. And I'm basically an outsider looking in, but it was amazing. So I can't even imagine how you guys feel knowing that that's accomplished. And I can't wait to see it in the museum, too. I'm desperate to go back. I know. Me, too. The museum, they had 18 or 19 museums, the Smithsonian whole, the whole compound. So it's 18 or 19 museums. Um, and, you know, there, there's museums on African-American history. There's a Holocaust museum. There's war museums, obviously. Um, but ours is going to be in the American History Museum, and we're going to be on the third floor, which is dedicated to sports, pop culture, and entertainment. When does that open? Well, it's they're they're curating. That's the new buzzword. Okay. Right. They're curating everything now, which means collecting and preserving. And um, they're the 2020 is when they're going to have their big splash renovation opening of that floor. Um, they suggested, though, to us yesterday that they may be doing a display on Western-style cowboy cowboys in history. And now that they've seen our uniform in person, they think they may kind of introduce it in there early. Sounds like 2020, when we play the Redskins, you guys need to 
Make a team a trip. team road trip to that game. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that be fun? To see that opened up and take the team, especially that'd be really yeah. cool. We were looking. We were kind of surprised. We didn't see any NFL presence really? yet, but yeah. we did when they took us into this you know secret room. We did see a Roger Staubach jersey, and it was kind of funny because it was side by side with a Terry Bradshaw jersey. And we were like, they still, they're still going at it. Right. Even when they're stored. <laughs> In a drawer <laughs> In somewhere, a drawer. right? One funny thing that, Courtney, I don't know if you saw it happen. They they did have, randomly, in these rooms, they all wear gloves. And it's it's like. It's crazy. You can't it's touch almost anything. Medical, right. You can't touch anything. So it's so funny because one of the pair of boots that's there is actually my boots. And I wanted to see my name in them. I haven't seen them in forever, uh-huh. obviously, since the 80s. But there was a box of playing cards. And Charlotte noticed it. She goes, Kelly, look, there's the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders playing cards. And they had that. And we were like, oh, my God, Judy's in there. Judy. She was in the cards? So the curator, he takes out his magic gloves, and he starts dealing the cards out to find Judy. And we're like, what card were you, Judy? And Judy didn't know. I mean, you know, so whatever. So he starts going through the cards, and then, bam. I said, just look for the beautiful, cascading, blonde Judy. And, And so he did, and he found her. And he was thrilled because then he held it up to the camera, and she's the ace She's the um, ace of hearts. Oh, oh of perfect. course she is. But she's, she was in the Smithsonian before this happened and didn't even know it. Wow, that is awesome. Kelly tweeted on her um, Twitter, that's where tweets normally come okay. from, a picture of the guy and Judy in the card if you want to check it out. It's cool. That's yeah, so he's he was the sports curator. And it he, he obviously, he, I guess he had it out because he knew these things were starting to come together, but... Judy didn't know about it. We don't know where they got it. They said they actually get some of their sports things from fans. They had um, some crazily wrestling um, outfits. They had some, you know, great footballs and baseballs. And and it's just a special – it's a magical place. That's the only word I can use to describe it. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. I know that was a big moment for you guys as an organization and personally. So you brought up Judy. We're going to take a quick break. All right. You and Judy have a very unique relationship. You're like an old married couple. (laughs) So I want to get some dirt on Judy, and I want to get into, like, y'all's relationship and how you guys, like, it's the greatest dynamic ever. Like, it's (laughs) just to be in the room with you guys, like, during swimsuit fittings. and Like Lucy and Ethel. Yes, it's like, it's, it's, you guys crack me up. But I want to get into y'all's relationship. We've got... Auditions are coming up. We want to talk about that. We, I want to talk about prep classes. I want to talk about what you did out here for Christmas. Can we just add an hour to the show? I'm game. All right. Maybe we'll go a little bit over, but we'll be back. We'll take our first break, and we'll be back shortly with Kelly Finglass on These Boots Are Made For Talking. It can be hard to find the right resource for learning about important financial matters. You search how to build savings, you end up reading about the one weird ingredient from supermarkets that can make you taller. That's why Bank of America built BetterMoneyHabits.com, a safe little corner of the internet for answering your financial questions. Full of simple videos and tips, Better Money Habits can show you how to make the most of your money without resorting to random searches that always seem to lead to unbelievable photos of childhood stars grown up. To learn more, visit BetterMoneyHabits.com. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. 
AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. Ice cold Dr. Pepper and the Dallas Cowboys go way back. They belong together, like Texas in football, silver and blue, shotgun formations and Hail Marys. Having a Cowboys football party without Dr. Pepper is like having Thanksgiving without the Cowboys. Basically, we wouldn't recommend it. So next time you have a tailgate, home gate, or whatever else kind of gate, grab some ice-cold Dr. Pepper for you and your friends to enjoy. It's a Dallas Cowboys tradition. Dr. Pepper, the one you crave. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields, and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. Back to These Boots Are Made For Talking. We are back live from the star in Frisco. Courtney McKenna, Shannon Gross. And Kelly Finglass in studio with us today. Finally, finally we got Kelly to hang out with us. Well, I wanted you to work out all the kinks first, Shannon. Now it's a smooth. I wanted you to get get everything kind of smoothed out before I I don't know if came. this show's <laughs> Well-oiled have, machine. This show will probably never have the kinks worked out. It's not ever. always bad to be a little unfiltered, a little Yeah, I like off. it. It's the internet. We can talk about whatever. You can... Everything's safe on the internet, right? right? Yeah, yeah. It's not regulated. And it's, it's fine. true. Also, if it's on the internet. It's fine. Yeah, That's correct. right. <laughs> What's going on with... How do people get ready for auditions that are in May? We have audition prep classes. Mm-hmm. And now we have so many former cheerleaders that live in North Texas that there's audition different prep classes almost every night of the week. But our official... Dallas Cowboys Cheerleaders audition prep classes on Friday nights at 7 o'clock. We started them in January. Actually, we introduced some fall classes this year. Um, So they should come to all these classes because it exposes them to our style of choreography that they will see at the auditions, the music that they will hear at auditions. Um, I just did a director's chair seminar where I literally walked them through the judges' books and was pretty, you know, pretty open open booked about what we're looking for and, and how we make our selections. Um, but preparation, dance classes of all styles, staying, you know, fit, lean, and um, good nutrition and that that part of it aesthetically and then taking these dance classes. Our style of dance is very unique. It's it's a, um, It originally was kind of a synchronized jazz dance team on the field, and now it's gotten a little bit, a little bit more power palm. Um, and dancing in boots with palms in your hands and different genres of music is quite challenging. Good dancers love it because it is. It's just that. It's a, it's a smorgasbord of dance and music. Yeah, everybody always says like this DCC style and they can't even explain what it is. It's like a, how do you explain it to someone who has no idea what quote DCC style is? Just that mix? I, 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 it's very powerful. It has to have great projection because our, our stage is the stadium. Um, it requires flexibility because of the high kicks and the splits. Um, but musically, it's interesting because at a game, as you guys know, um, DJ EJ, he told me he plays about 300 songs a game, musical elements. And the girls respond and dance to everything he plays. So they're dancing to country, pop, hip-hop, rock, 
you know, so that you have, they have to really be have great musicality to, to recognize the song and and respond with choreography that fits the song. Because besides the four quarter changes in our pregame, it's all unscripted. Wow. So if someone's coming to a class, say they're flying in or they're their first class, there's so much going on. You can get so overwhelmed with one. This place, the star, is amazing. Just being seeing you or or Judy or a former cheerleader for the first time, I'm sure, is kind of like, oh wow. What is something if they come to an, a prep class and they're going to auditions? What's something they should focus on? Really taken away from coming to this class? You know, there's the dance. There's hey, here's the dress. What's something they should really tune take advantage into? of? Yeah, and make sure they're paying attention to if they come to a prep class. Uh, the choreography. Because it's it's unique style choreography, and if they come to our prep classes, we have our choreographers and our cheerleaders teach it. Um, the style, it's not like, for example, I mentioned being at TCU. At TCU, there, were, there was modern dance, which now is more contemporary, and ballet. So ballet is ballet, and modern is very fluid and soft, and or not necessarily soft, but it's not what you'd see people do with pom-poms, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So this is not jazz, it's not palm, it's not tap. I'm sorry, it's not it's not jazz, ballet, tap. Um, so it requires kind of almost learning what it feels like and sounds like to dance with great power. Auditions, we don't get we don't get to pick your brain. We get to talk to the other girls about, you know, what should somebody concentrate on or what you should you do going in. What do you look for? What are you looking for on on the other side when you're looking at potential you know, training camp candidates, what are you, what are you looking for and what grabs your attention? That makes you and, say that yeah, girl could wear you. She's got something. Like, what? what is that? The wow factor for me is usually starts with showmanship. I love a great smile and the, just the ability to entertain, to see enthusiasm in someone's eyes, great smile. Um, technically, technical dancers are beautiful. You know, great technical skill. I look at their feet. And that's where you can see uh, true dance training. But we've had beautiful technical dancers make our team and then we've had some that have maybe had not as much studio dance perhaps they've had high school drill team and but they just have that that real um ability to project and entertain so I'm kind of a sucker for showmanship and then when we do our panel interviews it's it's just like this it's like who who can really talk who's interesting who has great stories who do we really think could, could go to the Smithsonian with us and carry on a conversation with the veterans at the Veterans Hospital that we visit or the congressman that we just visited or the museum's director or the Visit Dallas sponsors that were joining us. I mean, they really have to be able to be approachable and engage with people in conversation. So you're saying the dance and the technical side is very important, but to you, just as important is, is personality and letting that personality come out and be who you are? It is when you, when you take a real, you know, a a total look and we get to see them dance improv. We get to see them do their solo talent. And then we meet them in the interviews and I don't care how pretty you are or how great a dancer you are. If they come in the interview and they just tank, they're just, they just talk themselves off the squad for me or didn't talk. Would you, would you say that their ability to carry on a conversation, be charismatic could Overcomp- not overcompensate necessarily, but make up for the fact if they don't know an answer to a question that someone's asked them? Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, I can, Kashera, for example, she's a perfect example. You guys have had Kashera on the show. Oh, yeah. Well, her accent alone is unique. And we all remember Kashera in her interview when she was driving down from Kentucky. The most things she was impressed with were the rest stops when she went through <laughs> Arkansas. They had the prettiest rest stops. And we were all like, like what? <laughs> she talked about driving down, I think it was with her mother and her grandmother. But anyway, when you get the real essence of someone, it it makes them memorable. Being memorable is very important. Not obnoxious, but just charming and memorable and genuine. So Judy, how would you describe you and Judy's relationship? We we operate much like spouses or parents. We really do. Um, it's not we ninety percent of the time agree on things, and we we both what we do agree is we need to be kind of united. So those few times if we're disagreeing about a selection or a policy or whatever, we do it offline, kind of you know like. Parents should, right? <laughs> and then when we f- we finally work through things, but um, yeah, we're we can finish each other's sentences. Now we can even speak in broken sentences. I can just we can look at each other and know exactly what the other one's thinking. If it's in a situation like, did you? Yeah, mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got it. And you guys have been side by side for how many years now? Twenty seven years as wow. director and choreographer. Wow. How did so? How did how did you get the job? as director and then how did Judy get the job as choreographer? Judy was the assistant choreographer when I was a cheerleader. So oh she, really? Uh-huh. So Judy cheered 1980 through 83 season. Mm-hmm. 84 was my first season. She was the assistant choreographer. Um, I my last season was 88-89 and at that time we had a changing of the guards. That's when Mr. Jones bought the team and our director Suzanne Mitchell um, left the organization. I was then hired to be the assistant director. There was a director, uh, um, Leslie Haynes was the director for 89 and 90. And during that time, I was the assistant director in 89. And then in 90, I went to work in sales and promotions for the Cowboys and sold season tickets and did all the sales and promotions. So I saw a different side of the business. And then in 91, Charlotte brought me back over to be the director. And that's and then at that time... Um, Judy was the assistant direct choreographer and I named Judy the choreographer. So we've been together our, our first year together running the team, just the two of us was 91. And what you see on the show between you and Judy, that's really y'all's relationship. I think so. She doesn't commonly just sit on a stool next to me. (laughs) (laughs) I would say so looking at you guys. I mean, there's a lot you don't get to see. There's, there's, there's more where that comes from. There's even more. Uh, there's times when funny things happen, or even tense things happen. Where we're like, "Where are the cameras now?" There's things that people miss. I mean, you know, it's a little bit. Judy, more than me, is a little more guarded on camera, probably. Mm-hmm. You sure about that? Uh, n- maybe not. No, I'm pretty sure you're yeah. not very guarded. Yeah, pretty and sure. G- Judy. Judy's not comfortable. It's it's interesting. There's times when what Judy's great at is under pressure on the form. I'll never forget Judy's most classic defining moment with me is we were producing a halftime. We had 1,200 kids. It was at Texas Stadium. We were doing a Disney show. It was raining. It was cold. Kids were cold. Parents were mad. And we just had to get this show done. 
and Judy took over the field like like a, a school teacher can or a gym coach can. I, I, I don't know how she did it because I, w- I get caught up in detail. I'm detail. I'm a planner. I'm a promoter. And so she can be on the fly, really strong, under pressure on the football field, whereas she may not be the planner that I am or the organizer that I am, and that's where we our skills complement each other. You mentioned uh, USO Tour earlier. How did DCC get so involved with USO? How did that start? And when then, was the first one? Yeah. The first tour was in 1979, and it's interesting. Now that we're all archivists for the Smithsonian, it makes you really go back and look at things. And I found the folder on the first USO tour and it was a letter from the Department of Defense written to Tech Schramm and they they were asking if players could come visit the troops in Korea in December for Christmas and players are in football season in December and so Mr. Schramm on a handwritten note to his assistant Suzanne Mitchell who was also the director of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders at the time wrote a note and said um because it was and Pete Rozelle was on there too he goes tell him tell him the cheer the players can't go, but the cheerleaders could maybe do this. They're kind of catching on. Wow. <laughs> and that was 1979, and we took a, our first tour. Didn't have costume changes, really, and did you know a couple little sideline routines, and that was the first tour in Korea. And then since then, we've done 82 tours. Um, what those, happens during a tour? Well, I feel that, like it's a term changed. that gets thrown around, but people don't really know. They've, they've changed a little bit because in the 70s, the tours that we would go to, um, like Korea and Turkey, Greenland, England, Iceland, Italy, Spain, most of the places that we traveled were non-accompanied um, tours. So it was, it was in, primarily at the time, it seemed to be men and women that were away from their families for a year. And so our tours were visits. You would visit breakfast, lunch, dinners. We'd get in helicopters and scatter out all over mountaintops in South Korea and visit the small guard posts and the bases. And then in the evening, we'd all be back at one big camp and do a show. Our show was an hour and a half. It was called America and Her Music. Had 16 costume changes. It may have been in a theater or it may have been, I've got a picture of a show we did on a makeshift stage out in the middle of the Sinai Desert. So wow. that's what was actually kind of fun about it is they were it was so unconventional of where you were performing but the, so it's performing and dancing and singing and then the visits um at all the different out out in the field kind of visits. Um since then they've developed now there are more families on the tours overseas so um Dan Devins now champions our tours along with Katie Aldrich and Shout they, out Dan and Katie yeah, and yeah. Cheryl. Hey Cheryl. And um, we've kind of transformed. This past year, we did more of a Cheers to Fitness tour where we were spending um, more of the curriculum on going into the schools where the children of our military servicemen and women are. And we would work with the kids on fitness and teach them our Cheers to Fitness program that we've developed here with Jay Johnson. Very cool. And that's, is that Cheers to Fitness, is that? the DCC camps or is that something different? It's a fit. It's the fitness camps that we've got. We we've gone into schools and you, you do push ups and sit ups and different, six different stations 
of little workouts for the kids and the kids rotate and the cheerleaders lead and challenge them. And then Jay does his thing and challenges them and, and barks at them and does Jay's thing. <laughs> and then at the end, the girls do a dance, but it's, it's not the costumed show that it used to be. I'm, I'm kind of hoping to get back to that a little bit, to be honest, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a wonderful experience. And each year, like this year, when we did our end of year um, discussions with the cheerleaders, they always say their favorite, th- their favorite experience are these tours. What's your favorite, all the years you've been here, of course, the, you know, the hospital visits are always a highlight every year. The USO tours, mm-hmm. um, the, the events that you can give back to the community are always, I know, big highlights for you guys. What's, what's the one thing that's your fondest memory? You're or the, stealing a Courtney's Corner question. Oh, never mind, never mind. We'll wait. Okay, we'll go to, we'll <laughs> go to something else. I don't want to steal Courtney's Corner. You can, you can answer it since he just asked it. Yeah. Is it this past year or ever? No, I'm thinking ever because you've been around. <laughs> you've been around for a while. There has to be one thing that you're like um, standout memory. Wow, that's really cool. And, it, and it, you know what? It could probably even be two answers. One could be the one thing that that stood out to you as far as like you know giving back, and then one that's kind of like the cool moment that you've had since you've been here. So performance wise, uh, I'd have to say the Super Bowl in Pasadena and Michael. Jackson was the halftime and my my standout memory about that Super Bowl not only just being on the field but was the bus drive into the stadium of the Super Bowl it you knew you know at that moment in time this is the biggest thing going on in our world right now and just driving down that tunnel to the Super Bowl was amazing um, and then, of course, performing on the field. But it's knowing we got to the Super Bowl, and I, once we got there, the drive-in. I didn't um, even realize that Michael Jackson was the halftime. of That's so cool. And he was in our locker room. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Uh, I was out on the field. I didn't get to. I didn't get to meet him personally. Uh, he was. He had. They kind of snuck him in our locker room. The game was already going on, and getting him ready for halftime. But he was in there because one of one of my coworkers, who was Tina Kalina, who I mentioned earlier she was our assistant at the time and she said love you michael jackson he said i love you too <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool um a standout tour moment was this this time in in the sinai desert we were in we had done a tour to israel and egypt and we showed up to the show and it was a ghost town there was this just trailer stage with a uso banner draped on it and we we're like um Okay, a table for one, please. (laughs) We didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, I mean, literally, you could see kind of dust in the sky or you could see motion from the sand because it was just sand. And then this this formation, it was Marines. It was a formation of about a thousand Marines. They marched into our show. Wow. In formation. And we were like, if you build it, they will come. And there they were. They, They marched in and were just, you know, just so regal and, and then when their um, commander, who was Major Greenberg, I don't know how I remember that, and he said at ease, and they went hooting and hollering and <laughs> came out and sat and watched the show, and it was amazing. That was just a breathtaking moment. Um, and then my soft spot has always been nursing home visits, the, just visiting the people in the nursing homes and seeing, listening to their stories, um, seeing the people that really need to be visited, um, that's nice when you know you've truly lifted the spirits. The girls just did that, and I was lucky enough to go to one. And one of the nurses that was walking them around took them into some of the pat- patients' rooms who can't leave their beds. 
and they and the nurse literally told me that one of the patients never speaks, like won't speak to any of the doctors, nurses, any visitors. And she said that was probably the first time I'd seen him speak in six months. Yeah, was when the girls went in the room. And I was those like, those are true just... stories. Our veterans hospital visit this year. I mean, here I've, I have been doing this so long that you you kind of maybe can get numb to some of these things. Right. But the veterans hospital visit that we had this year, we went down to the Dallas VA and meeting. Um, such a, a a collection of a 20-year-old who had a brain injury to a World War II vet and, and the volunteers there, and they were so uplifting. It was I, – I was shocked really with the, the energy there, but it was so – I mean, from the minute we drove up and we started seeing veterans with their hats and their pins, and it, it just – it just brings you to tears. I and mean, it did bring me to tears. I was speechless. We had our crew from CMT there and they tried to interview me and I, 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 I couldn't speak. Wow. I, right. That's the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. What's uh? so we had a big deal this year, something you guys worked really hard on really fast. Oh boy. Kelly in particular. Yes. Another pipe dream. And it you know came, what we're talking it about. It came to fruition. And, and I know a lot of, People within the organization scrambled and tried to pull this together and it wound up looking amazing. And for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, you guys threw a Christmas spectacular here, our first, you know, I guess, full year at the Star um, for Christmas. It was free to the public, uh, big tree lighting ceremony. Um, it was out on the plaza, out on Tostitas Plaza in front of Ford Center. Um, and the cheerleaders were the main draw, other than Santa. Santa and the cheerleaders. Hard to trump he, Santa. You can't he, compete with Santa. Yeah, you can't compete with Santa. But equally as important. And in fact, the cheerleaders' uniforms, to me, look better than Santa's uniform. <laughs> so tell I us. the Christmas uniform. Tell us the brainchild behind that and who worked on that and how it came together and and then what it was and, and how you thought it was, you know, how you guys pulled it off. What would you? Well, you know. After you see these USO tours and you see what great dancers the cheerleaders really are, and we, we've done huge costumed productions. We've done Christmas halftimes forever, and Charlotte and I have always had discussions about wanting kind of a Rockefeller Center, Rockettes, Christmas something. I've always wanted a place, and we didn't have the place. And um, now that we have the star... And we, we don't have a theater. We don't have a Radio City Music Hall. But but as we got into it, Charlotte, I'll never forget, she stopped me in the hall and she goes, Dad really is interested in that Christmas show. Do you, you know, what, what do you think about the Christmas show? And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I call them drive-bys with Charlotte because she, she'll tell you, like I'll never forget the time she told me in the tunnel at Texas Stadium, we're thinking about doing this little show with Reba McIntyre for Thanksgiving. So be thinking about that. Little show. Little show. Well, now what are we, 20 years later into nationally televised Thanksgiving shows that have featured Beyonce, Reba, Toby Keith, and everybody else in between. So I kind of got one of those, be thinking about something we can do for Christmas because now we have the space. So we really, we studied the area and we thought, you know, there's, we've got a tree. Do we try to dance around the tree? Do we do a show inside, outside? We should use this turf it's got parade style seating and then it kind of finally just came together that we have our own Rockefeller Plaza right here it's not a skating rink but it's a turf and people kids parents you've seen it people are always they're not skating they're playing football on our 
centerpiece. So we thought, okay, we put our tree here. Do we put the tree at an angle? Do we put the tree right in the middle? Do we put the tree on the star? No, you can't put the tree on the star. People want their picture on the star. So we've got this fabulous board, the Diamond Vision board. And so we finally said there's a board, there's turf, and there's this magnificent tree. Tie it all together and make a Christmas show. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. And we started um, – it, it, it was challenging because we didn't know how to use the space and how we would – configure the audience and we thought let's just let the turf be their lawn and we thought they'd sit and we were going to stanchion off where the hash marks are and do a very vertical show and it turns out the first night everybody stood the whole time how long does the show need to be our experience was no longer than 20 minutes does the show end with santa claus does the show end with the tree being lit all of that. And so it, it all came together. We did our creative team and our think tank. It involved a lot of Ford Center operations, star, um, security, you know, net, television, cameras, creative. It was a big undertaking, but we did it. We pulled it off. We It was beautiful the first night. We have some drone footage where it literally, I mean, it's a huge crowd. Jerry and Jean Jones and Charlotte came out and lit the tree with Santa. So the show is um, six musical pieces, and it features the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. It features features our rhythm and blue dancers, our drum line, and our rookie squad. Um, we had local kids that were level five tumblers to be tumbling elves. And then, of course, the big payoff is Santa, who joins us at the end of the show and presses our magic button, which is a solidly solid crystal football mm. and it lights the tree and the tree in itself is fabulous because it's computerized and synchronized and the lights dance and are choreographed to the music will this be something that you guys do every year going forward we you know that that's the other thing what time do we do it what days do we do it so we finally narrowed in on fridays and saturdays at 6 p.m mm. and that was also in conjunction with these things called high school football games that were going on at the same time. At kind the, of a, ooh, kind of a big deal. Texas. Kind of a big deal in we Texas. We really didn't know, quite frankly, what exactly we were you know, going to be up against. But it, in total Jones and Cowboys style, it was a bold vision. It made a big impact. It was successful. And we're already having our meetings for season two of Cowboys Christmas Spectacular. Awesome. It'll be Friday and Saturday nights. We're kind of exploring 6, 6.15, But it was awesome. And Kelly's also leaving out her awesome wardrobe for every night of your Christmas Spectacular. Oh, boy. <laughs> Please elaborate. Please elaborate. What is... Um, <laughs> Kelly's festive. She's very festive. It gave me a chance to just kind of wear the, the, the ugly Christmas sweater concept every Friday and Saturday night. Cause I'm running around. I'm literally like making sure the stanchions are right. And the girls are upstairs and the sound and all this. And so I, uh, wore a Christmas sweater each show night and one an arsenal, one sweater in particular I bought down in Dallas on lovers and Inwood. And I didn't realize that my Christmas sweater was, um, Slightly, what what would you say, distasteful? Inappropriate, <laughs> inappropriate reindeer. <laughs> and I had no idea, so much so that I bought our my co-creative partner in crime, Steve Dollum. I bought him a gift, a Christmas sweater, and gave it to him. And I was so excited. And anyway, I wore my sweater, and the reindeer aren't flying Santa around. <laughs> Let's just put that in. <laughs> I didn't realize. I swear. 
I did not realize it, and I wore it. And the girls, apparently there were some giggles in the locker room, and the girls were like, does she know what she's wearing? And no. nobody, it, it was so patterned, I really didn't realize it. It was folded when I bought it. I also have a bad eye. I just, <laughs> I bought it in a hurry. So then it became, now, so that Christmas sweater made its debut, and I'd gifted one to Steve, and so um, it, it was quite a comical moment when the, when I realized what I was wearing and the cheerleaders were too scared to tell me. And so Judy, being Judy, said, do you realize what you're on your sweater? <laughs> but all the sweater. It'll come back, though. Now every Friday and Saturday now, you got to You got to bring it back every year now, right? Yeah. Tradition. It's a staple. You started a new tradition. All right. We got a few minutes left for we'll do a few. Courtney's we'll do, Corner. We'll do what you got today? Things. Well, I know Kelly loves movies. I don't know if everybody else knows this, but she you can just see her light up right now. Yes. Big fan of movies. So this weekend happens to be one of the biggest for movies, Oscars. Yes. Give us your thoughts. Give a quick synopsis of what you think. If people have a few spare hours leading up to Sunday, what should they watch who do you have your eye on? For the fun of it and for its and giggles, yes. um, I loved Itanya. I thought it was very entertaining. Um, and Allison Janney gets my Oscar for, for that movie. I thought she was amazing. For dramatic and just something that sticks with you when you leave the theater, Three Billboards was amazing. Um, Sam Rockwell should get the Oscar for that. He plays kind of the dumb cop in the movie, and he's amazing. Frances McDormand plays the mother who's lost her daughter um, to a violent crime, and she gets my Oscar. The Shape of Water, I just have a big question mark on my face. <laughs> I I can't even tell. I, I'm not even sure I could recommend it. I did Visually, it was interesting, um, but it, it wasn't something that I could go away and, and keep thinking about. Let's see. What's your favorite movie of all time? Oh, Shannon, there's too many. Top three. I, I can tell you my top three, so I feel like you have to know your top three, right? Or, or just a few. That, that Well, now, I mean, now I'm loving Three Billboards. Um, I I've always never like, even heard of that movie. It's so good. I don't know if it'll win Best Film. It's my pick. The Shape of Water is nominated for 13 Oscars, and it'll, it'll take some, but... Um, okay, I love... Now, the girl at Chick Flicks, I've always loved Color Purple. Um, power. I loved a uh, few good men mm -hmm. for just straight comedy, dumb and dumber. Yeah. Um, for artistic, like I loved the, um, the Danish girl a couple years ago with Eddie Redmayne. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I love all movies. I know Hollywood gets a lot of criticism and I'm, I'm not either way. I'd love film and what Hollywood does with talent and art. It's just, it just fascinates me. Would you ever be opposed to another Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders movie? No. What What would be the main plot um, of a DCC movie? Director's chair Kelly. I got to think on that. Who next next show? Mo movies for a movie to be good, it has to be really compelling and emotional and conflict, and you know we try to keep things cheerful and joyful and. Light. Light. <laughs> and then on the other end of movies, I know you also, I hear you talk about it all the time, especially during season, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, uh, Saturday Night Live is my go-to. I've watched it since I was a kid in Lindell, Texas. We had Saturday Night Live parties at my house. We made big batch chocolate chip cookies. Um, and I could 
from uh, from Bill Murray till now, Saturday Night Live is my definitely my go-to. You watch Saturday Night Live in Lindale and West Monroe, Louisiana. I was forced to watch Hee Haw with my grandparents. <laughs> so I was doing the same thing. I was just yeah, you into just like the girl more Daisy Dukes, little short. I had to watch it. My grandparents made me. I remember, I remember uh, who was that? Uh, what were the guys? The hosts? It was uh, Buck Owens and. Uh, Roy, Mini Girl? no, yeah, I thought Mini she was, was on there, Seahawk. yeah, and but it was Buck Owens and uh, ah, I'm gonna re- I drew a blank, but they were the hosts and I had to watch that and they would pop up in the cornfield, hee hee, yes. ha ha, yeah, <laughs> hee haw's great. I uh, growing up we had um, a teenager. I loved the Donnie and Marie show. My brother and I were supposed to be Donnie and Marie and it didn't just didn't turn out that way. <laughs> but loved Donnie and Marie, loved Sunny and Cher. We watched Osmond, Osmonds. Yes. Yeah. Who's your favorite SNL personality of all time? All time. That's a tough one. Mm. There's been so many, so many talented good ones. people. I, tell I you mean, what, I think Kate, what's her name? That, McKinnon, right? McKinnon now. that does Hillary is brilliant. Of course, Will Ferrell. I loved Martin Short. Loved, didn't, who did the church lady? Was that um, Dana Carvey? Dana Carvey. Yeah. Um, you know who might, I, might be the most talented person to come out of there? And it may just be because Chris of the exposure, yeah, the exposure that he gets and the ideas that he has. And Jimmy? Yes. I'm obsessed oh, yeah. with Jimmy. Fallon. He is one of the most talented people. And he can sing. He can play instruments. I, he's I agree. Funny. He's funny. And his, his skit, he was in Cowbell skit. The, I need more Cowbell. Yeah. That. Yep. My favorite Will thing Ferrell. about him yeah. is that he, he breaks characters so often. And I just think Because he so just great. cracks up laughing. Yeah. yeah. At himself. It's hard to beat Chris Farrell and um, what's his name when they did the Gap Girls. Come on, little blonde. You know who I'm talking about. Chris Farrell and oh, 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 the Night at the Roxbury guys. Is that who you're talking about? Well, no, but that's that's a good one too. <laughs> who are you? Who is the more petite blonde '90s? Not Dana Carvey, right? No, he was with. He's always not Chris. He was with um, Chris Farley. Uh huh. And what's his name? And they did the Gap Girls together. They did the motivational speaker. Oh, oh, Martin Short? Nope. He sat on the couch during the motivational speaker when Chris Farley was doing the motivational speaker. I'm blank. We're going to hate ourselves for not knowing this. I'm looking it up. Uh, David Spade? David Spade. Yes. It's hard to get better than Chris Farley and David Spade in some of their work, too. They were awesome. Remember the copier guy? Copier man. Yeah, of course I (laughs) do. Let's get the DCC on an SNL skit. That's you your next. You did? No, that's already been checked off in the nineties. What I, was the skit? It was it was uh, Sherry O'Terry and Will Ferrell, and they did a dream sequence. Remember, they were the perfect cheerleaders. Do you remember that skit? I haven't. Ah, and I, I called them kind of the same same style and said, look, we're going to be in New York. It's Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. You've got to have the, your cheerleader skit. Would you ever consider putting the cheer, uh, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders on your show? And they called me back 30 minutes and said, yes, they have, wow. to, they have to, they have writers round tables and they pitched it to the writers. So it was a dream sequence where Sherry O'Terry and Will Ferrell dreamed that they woke up and were Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. They spoofed our uniform. He had little white shorts and a fringed vest. It was hysterical. Oh that my is, gosh! Nineteen ninety-five-ish. Did you go? I see one that yes. says ninety-six, and I see another one that says ninety-seven. So maybe they were just posted. It was somewhere there, in some, there, somewhere in the nineties. But it was Will up. Ferrell. Yeah, it was awesome. And Will Ferrell's doing. Can't beat that. Yeah. I love Will Ferrell. That's so cool. Before we go, we didn't mention camps. Yes. What's going on with camps out here, and how do people attend? So anybody can go on the Dallas Cowboys website, and we have 
great camps for youth. We have football camps and we have cheerleader and dance camps. Many of them are run simultaneously. So if you have a football player in your family and a dancer in your family, they're both going on at the Ford Center or AT&T. They're taught by real coaches and in with the dance and cheerleader, they're taught by real cheerleaders. They have fun. We have three-day camps. We have one-day camps. We even have a little little miss camp for um, for for the little gals, three to six years old. So cute. And they get to be around the Star or AT and T Stadium, and they're it's 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 awesome. They uh, the kids just love it. Our our trainers love it. The football side. I'm not the expert on the skills and drills that they do. But they sure look like they're having a great time. And then the girls learn dance routines and cheer. And then on day three, we have kind of a parent showcase. And it's kind of kind of a football game performance where the, the, the youth, the boys, run through the girls like at a real football game. And the little girls are their cheerleaders. And they, we do a parent showcase where they show their football skills. And then the, the dancers do dances and cheers. It's just a great summer camp. It's, it's, it's in this environment. It's affordable. Everybody now, I'm a mom. Everybody's looking for things, good things for their kids to do in the summer. And we also have a lot of good kind and of And a spring break one message. too, right? Spring break camp as well. Yes. That's, this will be our first. So we'll see how that, how that goes. We did one for Christmas and it worked out really well for the parents that needed, you know, some activity because the kids get out of school and then the first hour they're out, they're like, mom, what am I going to do? I'm bored. So we, we uh, fill that gap. Keep them entertained. And it's on DallasCowboys.com under our Academy pages. And they can register now. Very cool. And it's on all of our social channels as well. We promote them there. You can find the links there. What are the odds that we can get you and Judy on this show at the same time at some point? Probably I think that would be good so odds. Much, I think that would be so much fun. We need I to make agree. That, we need to make that happen soon. I know you're busy. I'm sure you have her number, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Judy and I are late night texters, yes. I've, yes, <laughs> Kelly is a late night texter. I've been. This is true. I've I, gotten. I have been. Com, I've been communicating. With, <laughs> <laughs> I've been communicating with Kelly for probably over ten years now, either through the merchandise, my former life, or through social media. With social media now, and I still don't know probably ninety percent of the time when she texts me what in the hell she's talking about. Oh come on. Shannon. I don't speak Kelly. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still trying to learn it. Courtney, are you Kellyism? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be. We'll have to. I'll have to send three more texts to finally to realize. Like, okay, what is this? Or I'll. Well, texts can be a little <laughs> little spotty. My emails now because really, emails getting better. Emails getting better. I draft them. Okay. If it's after 11 p.m., I try to save it so that I'm not blowing up everybody else's phone. But nighttime is my only quiet time. It's my right. only time I have to be. You know productive in that sense so um i draft them and even sometimes i go back and read them and make sure that it's a proper Ooh. tone the because one if i was really <laughs> just totally unfiltered, yeah uh, it would uh, it'd be it'd be ugly that, that that must have been what happened you kept that email in a draft for us for a year Right. So me and Courtney, I'll tell you a quick story before we go. This is a good one. Me and Courtney are, are sitting there one night and we get this email from <laughs> Kelly and it's about something that literally happened last it, year. Yeah, oh, it was no. a year. It was a year ago and we get it. So we start texting each other like, what is, like, what, what is, is she, this? What Did is I, she talking about? I don't remember getting this 
email the original one and then like I, no i guarantee it was locked up in a draft somewhere <laughs> and then we finally get it and then finally kelly comes back and goes oh never mind that's from last year <laughs> we're just like wow hey technology hasn't <laughs> isn't always my best friend well kelly this has been awesome we need to definitely get you on more often. Maybe would love to. Yes, please. Maybe maybe you can fit us into your social calendar or your business calendar. Are you going way. to? Are we going to try to do something from Bimini Bahamas on our calendar sheet? We're trying to figure out the technology. I don't know if we can do it from down there because be we fun. we won't have a sound engineer down there, but we might be able to work something out. We'll see. Let me know, was, Shannon. Yeah, I was going to say, William. <laughs> we was I, like, I go. <laughs> I can figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure. I'm sure, fun. William. Yeah. I think it would be fun. But yeah, it'd be fun anytime we're not around. We sh I wish we could do these kind of more on location. Yeah, something live from somewhere. Well, Courtney, thanks for showing up. Thanks for having thanks me. Thanks for bringing it. Thanks for Courtney's bringing Corner. Kelly, thanks for spending some time with us. We'll work on Thank getting you. you on more often. So. I know where to find you, and you know where to find me. This is, this is true. This is true. A lot of but stuff I, going I could do on. the show every day if we did it like midnight. <laughs> you know what? That would probably be the highest ratings getting show that we would do because I'm sure at midnight we would all be talking out of our heads half the time anyway. Deprivation of sleep and loopy and who's who, that's when I get my best work done. Wine or beer. There's that too. Yeah, that would be a very entertaining show. We probably wouldn't be on the, the air. The midnight very long. hour, with Kelly. <laughs> midnight hour. Well, thanks, Kelly. We'll have you back on soon. We will be back next week, I believe. Again, same. Amy and Alexis. Amy and Alexis, same time, same channels. Yep. Two o'clock. Facebook, Twitter, DallasCowboys.com. There you go. We'll be back next week on these boots are made for talking. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?